A reading from the book of Proverbs about the feminine wisdom of God. God created me at the beginning of creation, the first of the creative acts of long ago. Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When God had not yet made earth and fields, or the world's first bits of soil, when God established the heavens, I was there. When God drew a circle on the face of the deep, when God made firm the skies above, when God established the fountains of the deep, when God assigned to see its limit, so that the waters might not transgress the Lord's command, when God marked out the foundation, foundations of the earth, then I was beside the Lord, like a master worker. And I was daily God's delight, rejoice, rejoicing before the Lord always, rejoicing in God's inhabited world, and delighting in the human A reading from the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost came, the disciples were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a fierce wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were devout Jews in Jerusalem from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound of the disciples speaking, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much uh, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven other disciples, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was being spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. Good morning. Kirsten, you got me teared up now before we get started. So it's hard to believe this is, um, yeah, the, the final Sunday. Um, so I'm really excited that it's Pentecost because Pentecost is one of my favorite Sundays of the Christian year. Um, and the word Pentecost comes from the Greek word for the number 50 um, because Pentecost is a Jewish festival that occurs 50 days after the Passover celebration. And so in our story, what's happening is if we remember at, uh, at Passover time, all the Jews came to Jerusalem and on the night before Jesus died, he shared the Passover meal with his disciples. And that was the meal where he picked up the bread from the table and he picked up the cup of wine and he said, this is my body and this is my blood. And he asked his friends to remember him after he was gone. And so as we move forward in the life of the disciples, we remember that um, on the Sunday after that meal, Jesus rose from the dead. And after that resurrection, um, I didn't actually know this number of days until I was studying 
like looking at stuff for the sermon, but actually Jesus was then with his disciples for 40 days during this time of resurrection. And he was with them, um, hanging out with them. He did a few miracles that were like just for them, but he kind of kept a low profile, hung out with his closest friends and talked to them about God. And then a really strange thing happened. Um, he told them, number one, he said, stay in Jerusalem. Don't go home. Don't go travel. Stay here because God has a special gift that he wants to give you. Um, and of course, Jesus was using masculine language in the Bible. We don't know. We don't know exactly uh, what that might have meant for him. Um, but God, he said, stay here. And God's going to send this gift of the Holy Spirit in my absence. And when he said that, Jesus was then lifted up to heaven um, and just kind of disappeared into the clouds while the disciples were watching. And so 10 days after that bizarre experience, it was Pentecost, and the disciples were hanging out in a room somewhere in Jerusalem. And out of nowhere, there was this loud rushing wind that just filled the room where they were. And while they were sitting there, flames of fire appeared on top of their heads, but no one was burning. There were just these random flames that appeared. And then they all started speaking in languages that they didn't know. Just different words were pouring out of their mouth. And because Jerusalem was this urban center where Jews from all over would come to live and to come to be on these special holidays, there were people who spoke all different languages. And they heard these disciples speaking in their own native tongues. And so you heard um, in the section that Anna read for us that people were like, are these guys drunk? Like, what's going on? These guys are from Galilee. Like, how do they know my language and why are they speaking it? And then you see Peter, um, who Jesus had appointed to be like the head disciple, come out and say, no, we're not drunk. It's only 9 a.m. Like, that's not what's happening here. Um, I think that's a fairly funny part in the scripture. Um, and so um, he comes out and he says, actually, what's happening is that this scripture that has been sacred to the Jewish people is being fulfilled right now. You're seeing it happen. And he said that Jesus who had been executed and then rose from the dead, was the Messiah who the, who the Jews had been waiting for. And he said that what was happening right now is that the spirit that had been promised by the prophet Joel had come to fill the people. And people who were listening were amazed by Peter's words. And the book of Acts says that on that day, 3,000 people came to believe in Jesus because of what was happening with the disciples, because of what was going on with the Holy Spirit in that moment. And so in the days after Pentecost, the disciples and this, this following of people um, that were just flocking to them um, started to live communally and collectively. They would share what they had. Um, they would sell their belongings so that they could then use the money to help people in need. And the writer of Acts says that um, during these days, they spent time praying and eating together. And they described them as having glad and generous hearts. And that because of the way that they were living and treating everyone, more and more people were drawn to this movement of Jesus followers. And they wanted to be near them and to live the way that they were living. So that's our biblical context um, for what has now become a Christian celebration of Pentecost. And Pentecost, as I said, happens to be one of my favorite Sundays of the year because it's when we celebrate the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in the world. And this is particularly special to me because historically, um, there are different lines of thinking that connect the Holy Spirit with the feminine nature of God. And we first see the Holy Spirit showing up in the second verse of the whole Bible in Genesis. And it said that before the world was formed, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And then in the Hebrew Bible, which is, of course, the Christian Old Testament, 
we see these references to the wisdom of God. And this wisdom is always referred to in the feminine, um, feminine nouns, feminine pronouns. And so in that text that Kirsten read for us this morning, we see wisdom talking about herself and saying, I was there from the very beginning. I was with God through creation. I've always been a part of, of this divine thing that's happening. And then we see that um, this idea of wisdom is taken by New Testament writers and by early Christians, and it's applied to this new concept of the Holy Spirit that early Christians start talking about. And so we see the Greek word Sophia, which is the word for wisdom, that becomes connected to the concept of the Holy Spirit in some of the earliest Christian communities. So then we have the situation um, that occurs when religions become institutionalized. And so we see this phenomenon where men start getting together and debating the nature of God. And as they're doing this, as they're talking about like, what do we believe about God? Who is God? What do we say about God? What do we call God? As they're having these conversations, we start to see these feminine connections with the Holy Spirit getting repressed and getting pushed out of the tradition. And there were a couple of reasons for that. One is because they wanted to separate themselves from goddess-worshiping groups. And they wanted to say, nope, like we've got one god. It's not the goddess. It's not any of the goddesses. It's this one god, and we need to separate from like that other thing that's happening in neighboring communities. And the second reason is because there were some Christian groups um, who came to be called the Gnostics who were associating these feminine principles with the divine. And these, um, these groups that were meeting and trying to discern the nature of God wanted to separate themselves from them because they decided that like, the whole of what these people were teaching was heretical. And so they, they wanted to distance themselves from that group too. So for both of those reasons, this feminine idea and association with the Holy Spirit got repressed in Christian history. And so when the doctrine of the Trinity was eventually decided upon um, and is basically pretty similar to like how Christians think of it today, it was the year 381. And during that time, it was decided that God consisted of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that these three persons shared a single substance which made up God. And so they, they thought of this, this substance as triune, one God, but with these three different persons contained in this single being. And so what's interesting is that even though this idea, this, this traditionally feminine principle and idea of the Holy Spirit was part of this divine body, the feminine parts of it were, were silenced and were just written out of the tradition and were not passed down um, with these creeds and doctrines as they were written. And so while if we think about this idea of like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, if you do like this Trinitarian equation, it seems that perhaps the most accurate um, mathematical equation would have resulted in God being thought of in this gender neutral way, in this way that incorporates masculine and feminine principles into like one whole being. But we all know that that's not what happened. Um, and that instead of this sort of like both and, God becomes masculinized and God becomes he. And so as the Christian God was thoroughly masculinized through this systemic oppression of the feminine, patriarchy started to take root in the Christian tradition. And the love and respect that Jesus had demonstrated for women throughout his life was just forgotten by the men who claimed to carry on his work and, and bared his name as Christians. And so we see even in some of the earliest Christian writings, like with the Apostle Paul, um, and this is a text that's in the Bible, but in one of his earlier, earliest letters after Jesus died, he wrote these words to a Christian community. 
he said, women should be silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be subordinate, as the law says. If there is anything they desire to know, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Whenever I hear those words, I think about what the radical feminist theologian Mary Daly once said um, when she wrote that if God is male, then the male is God. And we can see the truth of her words and of her ideas playing out throughout history because as masculine deities were thought to rule the heavens, patriarchy becomes more and more established on earth. And as I was thinking about all this, as I was writing the sermon, I was thinking about when I was a little girl and I was sitting in Sunday school, and I was told that I was made in the image and likeness of God. But the problem is that I could never really truly believe that, because this God that I was supposedly made in the image of was constantly described to me as he, as him. And I just couldn't understand how a God who did not share my pronouns could be a God whose image I portrayed to the world. And so now every time I hear a Bible passage or a sermon or a song that only uses masculine pronouns for God, I just feel this, this, this desire to like stand up and scream like, what about me? <laughs> like, what do you see me? You know, like, like, do we truly believe that like I am not just as valuable as this man sitting beside me who shares the pronouns that are being heard by the community? And so when you're not a boy and you spend your whole childhood hearing things about Father God and his love for mankind, you kind of start to feel like maybe you're not quite as valuable as that guy next to you. Because how can I be made in the image and likeness of a God, of a God called he? I can't and I'm not. So either history got God wrong or patriarchy is right. And it seems like we need to figure that out and take a firm stand on something and to do that quickly because patriarchy is literally killing our planet. We're daily bombarded with images of war in Syria, acts of terror happening in the UK. And in our own country, we're watching powerful men make decisions that target the most vulnerable members of our society decisions that threaten our beautiful planet and the existence of humankind. And it seems clear that we're in need of some wisdom, some Sophia, to come rushing in and to fill our leaders with empathy and compassion and attunement to the needs of the world. Jesus was a male leader. He wasn't a political one, but he was certainly a leader. And it's said that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus is baptized, it says that the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And it was through that spirit that he began to heal hurting people and that he started to perform miracles. And the thing about Jesus is that he shows us that masculinity does not have to be toxic. And as we contemplate the nature of God and the reality of patriarchy, I believe that this is a critical point for us to remember. 
in the life of Jesus were presented with someone who identified as male. And yet he was deeply engaged and, and embodying this feminine spirit of the divine. And the thing about Jesus is that while Christians have historically believed that he was God, he was also very much human. And he didn't always get it right. And sometimes his male privilege got in the way. But he learned. And he grew. And he let the wisdom of the spirit of God teach him. I think of the story uh, when Jesus was in the temple teaching and his mom and his brothers were outside and they were looking for him. So they sent someone to go get him and, and someone said, hey Jesus, your mom and your brothers are outside. And, and Jesus was really focused on what he was doing and he thought what he was teaching was really important. He, and he said, who are my mother? Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he just completely disregarded whatever might have been happening emotionally with his family members. And that story stands in sharp contrast to the moment when Jesus is dying on the cross and his mother Mary is standing beneath him, weeping. And Jesus looks down and he sees her and his heart breaks for her. And he looks at his friend John and he says, John, this is your mother. Take care of her like she's your own. And in that moment, you see this tenderness, this ability to be in tune with what's happening with his mother, to allow himself to feel that connection and to care for her. You see this change in his heart, this growing awareness. And I also think of the story of the Canaanite woman who begged Jesus to heal her daughter. But Jesus refuses to heal the girl because she's not Jewish. And this woman doesn't give up. And she continues to beg him and eventually helps him to realize that the love and the healing of the power of God are not the exclusive power of any, or the exclusive property of any one people group. And in the face of her courage, Jesus' heart is changed. He learns and he grows. He admits when he's wrong. He's in tune with both God the Father and this feminine wisdom the Holy Spirit. He embodies healthy masculinity in human form. And Jesus shows us that combating patriarchy in religion or in politics has never been about demonizing masculinity. However, because people who identify as male have historically committed acts of great violence and erasure against those of us who don't, Masculinity is a fraught space. And because we still live in a patriarchal world, what we need is men who are willing to learn. Men who are willing to follow the example of Jesus and to allow the spirit and the wisdom of God to reorient their patriarchal worldview as well as their privileged social status. And for those of us who exist and identify with a gender that is not male. May we have the courage to do the work, to dig deeply into the parts of the past that have been hidden from us. The parts of history that point to a God whose image we actually bear and whose pronouns we share. And as we begin to uncover these hidden places, as we begin to claim our right 
to a God who is big enough to bear our identities to. May we simultaneously reclaim the social power, dignity, and agency that come from sharing in the identity of the divine. The spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit, reminds us that we all have work to do. When we commit to doing what it takes to change our own deeply entrenched, entrenched patriarchal ideas and our ways of conceptualizing the divine, I believe that we're simultaneously dismantling the hold that patriarchy has upon all of us. And if we dismantle our conceptualizations of patriarchy in the heavenly realms, I truly believe that history shows us that what happens in heaven is reflected on earth. What we believe to be happening in heaven is reflected on earth. So change in one thing can change the other. And today is an ideal day to begin or conti to continue this sort of work because it's Pentecost. And it's the day when the spirit rushes in and flames appear and new words flow and people come together as one. And on that Pentecost that's described in the book of Acts, that story that Anna read for us, people were amazed that the disciples were speaking in their own languages, or rather the spirit of God was speaking through these people into their hearts. Pentecost is the day when we celebrate early Christians getting shaken up and ordinary people becoming empowered to do radical things. And the fact that we celebrate it every year means that we have opportunity after opportunity to reevaluate what it is that we believe about God. And we have multiple opportunities as we consider this over and over again to allow the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and to open our minds in the ways that she will if we let her. Amen. <laughs>